Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consiglary Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. As was the case last week for the start of the fantasy playoffs, I'll go through each matchup on the Week 16 slate and give at least one or two thoughts for the fantasy implications in each matchup. First, on Thursday night, Jaguars at Jets. And just before starting this recording, Mike White was ruled out with his rib injury, so he'll miss the second game in a row, and Zach Wilson will be under center for New York. Right now, the forecast is calling for rain, and I'll probably hit on the weather quite a bit in this episode based on how much of an impact it could have, particularly on Saturday. So I think Jags and Jets could be a little more low scoring than it otherwise would have been if the rain impacts things. And if Corey Davis is back for New York, then I think it's a ding on the flex outlook for Elijah Moore. But I like Zonovan Knight coming off a disappointing game to rebound after the Cowboys against the Jags were able to get some nice production on the ground. So he should be a low-end RB2 flex option and probably the only weapon for New York other than Garrett Wilson that you can feel confident about starting this week. For Jacksonville, Lawrence remains a low-end QB1 based on how hot he's been in recent weeks, but there's definitely concern about the matchup on the road and the weather. So we have him as our overall QB12 right now, and there are a couple of guys probably in that same range that I'd rather play over him this week. Now jumping to Saturday, Christmas Eve, starting with Falcons at Ravens. Rookie Tyler Algier going off last week in a difficult matchup versus the Saints was a surprise, but I wouldn't expect a repeat performance against the Ravens. And in general, with Desmond Ritter at quarterback for the Falcons, there isn't a ton of confidence about any of their fantasy options. For the skill positions, we have Cordell Patterson as the RB36, Algier as the RB41, and Drake London as the wide receiver 32 that will hopefully not see shadow coverage from Marlon Humphrey so I'd probably avoid the offense if possible this week. And for the Ravens' offense, I'll just say that I play Mark Andrews, despite the recent struggles. I saw someone say that they're going to bench him for Chigozium Okonkwo of the Titans this week, but we still have Andrews as a top-two option. He'll get Lamar Jackson back, so I really wouldn't give any thought to not playing him. Next up, Lions, who started 1-6 and six and are now 7-7, seven and seven, versus the Panthers, who are still alive in the NFC South. The 27-degree temperatures in Carolina this weekend actually makes it one of the more pleasant games of the week, and the wind isn't too bad, so I wouldn't downgrade Jared Goff too much from the QB1 ranks. We still have him as a top 15 option that has a case to be in the top 12, and I'd consider him one of the top replacements if you're looking for someone to start in place of Jalen Hurts if he's out versus Dallas. So hopefully Detroit is able to keep the offense rolling. After golf had another solid day last week versus the Jets in a tough matchup. And the weapons are there for the Lions for golf to have another nice game. Throwing to Monroe St. Brown, Jamison Williams, DJ Chark, and the running backs. For a game that does have poor weather conditions this week. No snow in the forecast, but Bills at Bears. Where winds could hit up to 20 miles an hour and temperatures sit in the single digits. Obviously, you're not going to downgrade Josh Allen or the passing attack. So start all the Buffalo options as usual, except for maybe Tyler Bass getting a downgrade at kicker. And for the Bears, even if Chase Claypool is out again, Justin Fields is up to being the overall QB5 on the season. He had 23.58 fantasy points last week against the Eagles, and he's someone to definitely keep in lineups as a top five option, despite Buffalo being a tough opponent that could lower the floor some. But Fields is heavily reliant on the rushing, and I wouldn't have a ton of confidence in any of the pass catchers. And that includes Cole Komet, who has been quieter recently and gets a stingy matchup. 
for perhaps the worst weather of the week, Saints at Browns, which has an over-under of 32.5, likely due to a combination of odds makers not having a ton of confidence in the offenses and the wind being a significant factor. I'm using NFLweather.com, which I don't think is extremely accurate, but it's saying 10 degrees with windy and foggy and wind of 25 miles an hour. And that's slightly improved from yesterday when it said dangerously windy in the forecast. So I'd expect Cleveland, if they're smart, to feed Nick Chubb, who has been very quiet with Deshaun Watson at quarterback, but still handled 21 carries last week and should be fed on the ground with Cleveland still having a potential path to the playoffs. So after Tyler Algier had his best game of the season against New Orleans, hopefully Chubb can break his touchdown drought and provide the high-end RB1 production that he had earlier this season. For the tight ends in this game, Taysom Hill is definitely a top 10 to 12 option with increased usage in recent weeks. He threw, I think, a 68-yard touchdown last week, and because of the aforementioned weather, I'm sure New Orleans will want to keep it on the ground where Hill won't be fun to tackle in the frigid cold. And for David Njoku for Cleveland, the Saints are a difficult matchup for tight ends, but he's used enough with simple underneath routes, including out of the slot, to still have faith in as a tight end one option. And the Saints have been a little more forgiving to opposing tight ends in recent weeks, with at least 40 yards allowed in four of the past six games. Now for a game that I think might be high scoring, despite the colder weather, Seahawks at Chiefs. Seattle likely won't have Tyler Lockett this week, but I think the offense will be fine running through DK Metcalf. And it will be interesting to see if the Chiefs decide to use Legereus Sneed more on the outside to try to contain Metcalf. But I think DK has massive weak winning upside by being matched up on unproven options behind Sneed. And like we've seen from Mike Williams in matchups against the Chiefs in the past, Metcalf will be very difficult to defend downfield if Kansas City's heavy man coverage doesn't provide consistent help to their cornerbacks over the top. And on the Kansas City offense, Jarek McKinnon has become close to a must-start. He had a 30-point performance last week, and the Chiefs having full trust in him in scoring territory, especially with Isaiah Pacheco having some fumbling issues, gives him major upside and an extremely high floor because of his role in the passing game. So McKinnon should be viewed as a high-end RB2, and Seattle has typically struggled to contain opposing running backs through the air. So starting him this week, I don't think would be a case of missing out on lost points from previous games if you didn't play McKinnon. And I also like Darius Tony as a decent flex option and cheap DFS play with the hopes that he'll see more than, I think he had five snaps last week in his return. It sounds like Nico Hardman should be back, but similar to a couple of weeks ago when I mentioned LaVisca Chenault Jr. against Seattle, I think the way they play coverage should bode well for Tony getting design touches underneath including on some shallow crossers to get the ball in his hands. And Chenault didn't have a big game when I mentioned him for week 14, but he did have four receptions. And it makes sense for the Chiefs to get Tony more involved before the playoffs. For Giants at Vikings, two teams coming off a big win for different reasons last week. It's pretty self-explanatory. Saquon Barkley should be fed to keep New York on the winning track and get into the postseason. And Daniel Jones is a borderline QB1 versus a Minnesota defense that continues to struggle. And for the Vikings, obviously play the studs in Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. And it will be interesting to see if 
the Giants decide to play Jefferson similar to how they did Terry McLaurin last week when he saw quite a bit of shaded coverage, especially late in the game. So Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne are both solid flex options against a defense that should give them plenty of one-on-one opportunities. For a huge game in the AFC, Bengals at Patriots, with Cincinnati hoping to push towards an AFC North crown, and the Patriots trying to get back into one of the wildcard spots in the AFC. New England has had some heartbreaking losses this season, but they definitely haven't been themselves. Though I wouldn't be surprised if, and I'm assuming the Bengals will win this matchup, but it wouldn't be shocking if Bill Belichick came out with a game plan that's able to slow down Joe Burrow and the passing attack. So with New England playing at home, this should be a great matchup, but it will be up to Mac Jones and the offense for them to pull off the upset. If Devontae Parker is able to clear the concussion protocol to return this week, I would like him, similar to the reasons I liked Mike Evans last week, who unfortunately didn't find the end zone, but was able to clear 80 yards for the first time since the end of October. Basically, I like Parker's size versus Cincinnati's cornerbacks, and if Lou Anaromo's defense is selling out to stop Ramondre Stevenson, then Parker and the other wideouts should see quite a bit of single coverage that they can take advantage of, especially with Mac Jones throwing the ball downfield a little bit more in recent games. So I like Parker as an undervalued flex option. For the final 1 p.m. game, Texans at Titans, where Houston has definitely put up a fight in recent weeks with near upset wins over the Cowboys and Chiefs, but Tennessee has lost four in a row since starting seven and three, and this is a spot where they should dominate with Derrick Henry on the ground, considering his history versus the Texans. And we have Mike Vrabel's defense as the top fantasy unit of week 16 after they played very well versus the Chargers. So hopefully they won't have too much trouble with the quarterback rotation of Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll for Houston. And that is notably another game where temperatures are extremely cold in the mid-teens. Now for the late afternoon games where there's only two matchups. First is Commanders at 49ers. And San Francisco is battling for the number two seed. But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Jordan Mason get a bit more action over the final two or three games to keep Christian McCaffrey fresh for the postseason. But McCaffrey is still a top two option at running back. And this could be a spot where Brandon Ayuk after a quiet game last Thursday night, is able to take advantage of one-on-one coverage and find holes in the defense similar to how the Giants were able to on Sunday night. And for Washington, it was awesome to see Jahan Dotson get a chance to showcase his talent in front of a national audience, but the matchup probably makes him someone you could avoid and maybe reconsider again for the fantasy championship versus the Browns on New Year's Day. And for Terry McLaurin, he's someone you need to start, but he's probably more of a low-end wide receiver too this week considering his history against San Francisco with just three receptions for 35 scoreless yards in two career meetings. And for the showdown that everyone's been waiting for, Eagles at Cowboys, with Jalen Hurts looking highly questionable with a shoulder injury. But from a fantasy perspective, assuming Gardner Minshew is under center, he's a mid-range QB2 option. And I don't think much changes for the pass catchers of the Eagles. So A.J. Brown remains a wide receiver one, and Devonta Smith remains a wide receiver two even with Dallas Goddard back, and he's ranked in the top five at tight end. And for the Cowboys, I'd probably avoid Michael Gallup, and I like Ezekiel Elliott over Tony Pollard, considering his history versus Philadelphia. And C.D. Lamb we have as a top five option at wide receiver, as the guy the passing attack should funnel through. And to close out Christmas Eve with the night game, Raiders at Steelers, Las Vegas should run through Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams 
Adams, I think, prime for a big game despite disappointment last week. And on Pittsburgh's offense, I like Kenny Pickett as a QB2 option, as someone that was used to playing in cold weather at college. And I think all three of the main pass catchers, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Pat Fryermuth, despite being shut out last week, are all worth a start. And we also have Najee Harris back in the top 12 at running back. On Christmas Day to begin, and I was not a fan of any of these three games, when the schedule came out with Miami, Los Angeles, and Arizona playing host on Christmas Day, where it should be cold weather games, but at least Miami's actually going to be under 50 degrees, but starting with Packers at Dolphins. For Green Bay, I think you can continue rolling with Christian Watson as an upside, low-end, wide receiver two flex option, despite a quiet game on Monday night. But from a long-term dynasty perspective, I still love Romeo Dobbs, who is severely undervalued as the wide receiver 61 in dynasty formats, according to the consensus. But we have him, I think, as a borderline top 30 option, at least as a wide receiver three. And next season, Aaron Rodgers should be in very good shape if he returns, throwing to the combination of Watson and Dobbs. But for this week, Rodgers is a high-end QB2, and Dobbs is more of a risky flex with Randall Cobb seeing quite a bit of action as the number three wideout. So Dobbs probably needs to take advantage of limited opportunities to making it back down the stretch. And in the Green Bay backfield, if A.J. Dillon is unable to pass the concussion protocol, then it's a further boost for Aaron Jones, who would receive the goal line work and should be at least a mid-range RB1 either way. For the late afternoon game on Christmas, really the only options I'd consider in lineups strongly are Latavius Murray for Denver as an RB2 option, Jerry Judy as a low-end wide receiver two flex option, and on the Los Angeles offense, Cam Akers as more of a flex than RB2 based on the tough matchup. But the Rams probably won't have a high-volume passing attack with Baker Mayfield still learning the playbook. So offensive fireworks would definitely be a surprise despite the preseason expectations of a possible shootout between Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford. And those digging for a week 16 flex option should probably look to other matchups to find someone to play. On Christmas night for Buccaneers at Cardinals, one of those flex options to consider would be Russell Gage, assuming Julio Jones with an injury is out again. Gage was able to catch two touchdowns last week, and he should work the middle of the field along with Chris Godwin, which is an area the Cardinals are often exposed by opposing tight ends. So I think to that effect, it will be Godwin and Gage doing much of the damage, though I do like Kate Otten as a high-end tight end too this week. And at quarterback, I think Tom Brady can be a top-10 option. The turnovers hurt him last week, but he had over 300 yards and three touchdowns. And the Bucks should be in favorable positions if Trace McSorley is forced to start for the Cardinals. And then to close out Week 16 on the day after Christmas with Chargers at Colts, which will be the final game for those hoping to make it to the fantasy championship. Mike Williams not being featured last week until a couple of catches late on the game-winning drive was perhaps the biggest disappointment of the week because I thought he'd have a monster game versus Tennessee's smaller cornerback group. But hopefully the late production is something that carries over with Indianapolis not having great options behind Stephon Gilmore cornerback. And I'd be a little surprised if Gilmore played shadow coverage versus Williams with Keenan Allen and Joshua Palmer, both being dangerous threats for Los Angeles. And on the Indy offense, Jonathan Taylor is done for the season with a high ankle sprain, 
So Zach Moss, who had 24 carries last week, and Deion Jackson will split the work over the final three weeks. And the Chargers, being as bad as they are against the run, should make Moss the favorite for low-end RB2 flex value. And I'd say both guys are definitely worth picking up, considering the end-of-season schedule, with after this week, games against the Giants and Texans, so three of the worst run defenses in the NFL for the Indy offensive line to get going and open holes for Moss and or Jackson. So that will conclude this episode. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions you might have, and you can find all our rankings and analysis on wolfsports.com. Until next time, Merry Christmas and best of luck this week. I'm Dylan Spien, and this was a Fantasy It's a Glary podcast.